The following podcast contains explicit language. Okay, first table read. I'm nervous. I hope it doesn't suck. I know. I did take a beta blocker, by the way. So you'll be fine no matter what. Exactly. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll discuss fun, fun Fridays. Woohoo! Yeah! And then we'll talk about the results of our Enneagram tests with world-renowned executive coach, Michael Melcher. We've also got a fashionable Hollywood hack. And finally, Liz will reveal her very exciting, especially to Liz, celebrity sightings. Yes, I will. But first, we want to mention, if you haven't already, please join our Facebook group. Just search for Happier in Hollywood and click to join. And Sarah, you've been quite popular on our page lately. Well, I don't know if I have, but an article that I posted um, about knitting, of all things, suddenly this um, Happier in Hollywood knitting group has sprung up in L.A., and I think there might be ones in other parts of the country as well. Yeah, your post about knitting spawned into a Happier in Hollywood meetup in L.A. called, and I love this, <laughs> the Relentlessly Crafty Meetup. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be great. I really hope I can go. I'm I'm in the group. Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> Okay, Sarah, let's dive into our segment from the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today, I'm happy to say it's something fun. Yay! Fun, fun Friday. <laughs> yes, we got this name um, from Violet's Preschool. Mm. Um, <laughs> and we're integrating it right into our adult That's lives. Right. Um, every day, she would wake up, or every Friday, she would wake up like, it's fun, fun Friday. And it like sends her into the day in such a great way. Um, and on our show, The Fix, our line producer, Mark Grossan, sort of has this fun, fun Friday philosophy. Yes. And we should mention what a line producer is because I think many people don't know. It's basically the guy who's in charge of the money. So he's not the one you would naturally think of as being in charge of Fun Fun Friday. Yes. But Mark happens to be very interested in Fun Fun Friday, which is a wonderful quality in a line producer. Yes. And we should say it's not just about being in charge of the money. It's a much bigger... Well, it's a huge yes. job. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. But it is a very, like managing a thousand tiny moving pieces. Yes, and having to say no a lot or having yeah. to fix problems. Like, he's the guy you go to when you have a problem. Yeah. So it's, it is. It's so, like, refreshing that, like, one of the big things that he does is try to create the sense of community. Yes. He's all about morale, um, thus Fun Fun Friday. <laughs> so some of the examples are um, one Friday we had In-N-Out for lunch, which, you know, if you're in L.A., that's just kind of everybody loves In-N-Out. Yeah. Um, another time um, he's like, we're going to have a barbecue on Friday. We thought it was going to be just sort of a standard L.A on-set barbecue. Right, you have the catering guys yeah. come and set something up. But we go out there, and <laughs> he's set up a grill on the Disney lot, and he himself is grilling, grilling. hamburgers, hot dogs, also like veggie burgers. Veggie burgers. 
because it is L.A. He had gluten-free buns. Yes, very sweet. We had coleslaw or potato salad. Um, and it and it brought together the writers and the production side, yeah. um, which is really nice because a lot of times we're just all siloed off doing our jobs. So it's nice to have these moments to meet and talk and form a bond for the whole group. Yeah. And then last week... He had an ice cream social. Yes, which I Instagrammed that and a few people were like, Liz, you know, you're not about ice cream socials. But, you know, I'm trying to loosen up. (laughs) So I went. I didn't eat the ice cream, but I socialized. Right. Yeah. And of course, I'm not eating sugar. So I didn't eat the ice cream, but we were there and it was fun. It just creates like a fun atmosphere for everyone. Yeah. And it's important right now at the beginning of the process to have this sense of cohesion, because then down the line, when things get more stressful, when time like when we're really in like crazy time crunches, people, if they know each other and they've sort of built a bit of trust Mm -hmm. and good feeling, I think there will be less there will be less conflict or misunderstanding. Yeah. So it's really important. It is. Um and a just totally basic level, it's a really good way to help learn everyone's names. Yes. Because there are so yes. many new people, yes. so many different departments in a casual way you can kind of get that like, oh, that's Susan. Oh, yes. that's, you know. Yeah. This is Lois, the production coordinator. Yeah. Hi, Lois. Yeah. Who is wonderful. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Liz, our listeners might have noticed that all of our Fun Fun Fridays so far have revolved around food. Yes. So we were trying to think, are there any non-food options for Fun Fun Friday? Because, you know, how we feel about being the evil donut bringers. Yes. And you had an interesting idea, I thought, which was to put a puzzle on a table and have like a big puzzle and have everyone kind of work on the puzzle. That could be fun. Yeah. And that, I mean, I don't know if everyone would come at the same time and work on the puzzle, but if people could wander in and out, it would be a fun thing um, to just like bring everyone together, say, hey, let's try to get this puzzle put together by the end of Friday. Yeah. And then people could come in and try and chat. Yeah. Yeah. And you thought about like board games. Yeah, but it doesn't feel realistic. I know. It is it is a huge group. It's kind of difficult. That's <laughs> yeah. why the puzzle is good. Yeah. Maybe running charades someday. Kidding. <laughs> now, Sarah, you had an idea that I was like, uh, okay. Do you want to explain? Yes. Uh, I'll say our <laughs> you and I are split on this and our production team is split on yeah. this. Um, but my idea was to have a puppy party. Uh, explain what a puppy party is. Okay. Well, there are lots of great um, dog rescues in L.A. I was thinking we could get one of them. Wags and Walks is a favorite of mine and a favorite of our producer, Lori Zacks. Um, We could get Wags and Walks to come in with, like, just a bunch of their rescue puppies or little rescue dogs so it's not overwhelming with giant dogs running around and spend, like, an hour with puppies in the office. You know, I see that some people would like this. Like, to, love it. Yeah. And just love, I think, is a better word. <laughs> to me, cuddling puppies does not get my endorphins going. I'm more aware of, like, the smell. <sighs> oh, Liz. Um, but I know other people like it. And it also seems kind of sad because these are, like, dogs that don't have homes. So it's like they come and get cuddled and then they go back to, you know, the wherever they are staying. But that's what I sort of like because, well, first of all, these are not puppies from a shelter, which that would be depressing if, like, you get them and you're like, oh, you're so cute. Happy puppies. We're paying so much attention to you. And then they're, you know, 
back to like a cold, dark cage. Although I would argue those puppies might need it even more. But anyway, these are these would be puppies that are already with a rescue that are going back to foster homes, you know, that are like getting taken good care of. And what if someone finds their dog at this puppy party? Well, that's true. What if, you know, what if our production coordinator suddenly realizes, oh, my God, this is the puppy for me. Then we're creating a family at the puppy party. (laughs) Well, this one's on you. If you want to organize it, go right ahead. I'm not going to spend time on this. That would be my idea of a fun, fun Friday. Okay. (laughs) So how do you build a sense of community in your workplace? Let us know if you have any ideas we can use for fun, fun Friday that, you know, if they don't revolve around food, that would be great. Excellent. You can email us or send us a voicemail at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Next up, we'll share our Enneagram results and talk to executive coach Michael Melcher, but first an ad break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, now it's time for Take a Hike, in which we talk about mental, physical, or spiritual health. And today it's mental. We're talking about personalities, our personalities. Oh, God. Um, And also how your personality affects your leadership skills. So we are calling in an expert, Michael Melcher. Yes. Michael is one of America's leading executive coaches and is an expert on leadership and career development. His clients have included Google, Goldman Sachs, Doctors Without Borders, Ford Foundation, and many others. He is currently a partner at Next Step Partners, a firm based in New York and San Francisco. He is also the host of a great podcast, Meanwhile, a podcast to improve your life. Michael, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I feel like I'm amidst celebrities. (laughs) (laughs) Among friends. Here in Toluca Lake. (laughs) Now, before we um, get into the results of our Enneagram, which you encouraged us to take, um, we want to ask, what is an executive coach? It sounds like something I need. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here I am. Uh, Coaching is a method of helping people learn and grow. And among people who are trained in a particular discipline as opposed to just making it up, it's a very question-based approach. And then executive coaching would refer to helping people in the workplace attain higher levels of leadership, professional development. Um, It could also relate to teams and groups. Oh, that's interesting. So you'll go in and sort of say, okay, how can this group function better? Right. That's that's one of the ways that we'll do. Or um, it could be an individual who just wants to get to the next level. And what how do first how we define that? Um, how do we figure out a path to get there? But it's very much based on 
this idea of leading from behind. So my job is to ask questions and be a good listener and facilitate your thought process so you think more deeply and broadly, but you're the one who's doing the heavy lifting. It's not me telling you what to do. Mm, that's God, That sounds amazing. It sounds like therapy. It's a lot like therapy in the sense that therapy is the other situation where someone's actually listening to us and asking provocative questions. Mm -hmm. But it's a little bit different because I'm not trying to heal anybody and I'm not really dealing with their subconscious. You're just trying to there get them to perform better and rise. Right, rise and, and to create their own pathway for doing that. Mm. So in your experience in working with people in leadership or on their way to leadership positions, what do you find are the qualities of a great leader? And are they individual or do they seem universal? Well, there are two different ways we can look at that. One is what do leaders do? I think generally leaders have positive influence over other people to attain uh, mutually desired goals. But to get there, um, I think old school people would say things like you have to make tough decisions and do this and that. But I would say it's really very much about um, self-awareness, so knowing who you really are, self-management, which is knowing what your triggers are and how do you bring out your best and deal with your less attractive sides. Hmm. And then a lot of emotional intelligence. So how do you connect with other people? How do you relate to them? How do you read them? How do you understand their needs? How do you tailor your whole presentation to them in the most effective way? So. Uh, much as we would love to have a term other than soft skills, there's a lot of soft skills involved. The funny thing is I've never heard the term soft skills before. Awesome. <laughs> I know. What is it? <laughs> well, hard skills are like accounting, computer programming, mm. even writing, I would say. Soft skills are how do you have influence? How do you manage other people? How do you manage yourself? How do you have difficult conversations? Uh, how do you make decisions amidst uncertainty? There, There's no real... Um, template for any of that. So it, it's a much more, I would say, artful thing to develop. What's interesting is that whether you're like doing anything in Hollywood or anything in the business world, it feels like these skills would be sort of the same. The soft totally, skills totally. translate to across the world, basically. Yeah. And when, when I'm being interviewed for positions, they'll sometimes say like, well, how much experience do you have in private equity or how much experience do you have in media? And I'll, I'll say my thing. But it's really the fact that I engage with people in all different sorts of careers. So I was actually a lawyer by training, and a lot of lawyers think that the nature of law is such that it creates these very particular challenges. But in fact, I see the same things in industry after industry after industry. Interesting. So we talked about uh, doing the Enneagram test in episode 61. Um so now we have done that. We have found out our personality types. Can you guess? Do you have a guess about that? I had guessed that Liz might be either a six or a nine, and I guessed that you might be a one or a six. But looking at your faces, I feel like probably guessed <laughs> wrong. All right. Well, I'll tell you, I am a type three. Which, you know this, but I'll tell our listeners, which means I'm effective, competent, that's nice, adaptable, goal-oriented, ambitious, organized, diplomatic, charming, that's also nice. I'm into performance and I'm image conscious, which I am, even though I'm not proud of it, sort of. 
Um, threes get into conflicts by being expedient, excessively driven, competitive, self-promoting, um, appropriate instead of sincere, boastful, and grandiose. Well, my goodness. <laughs> um, and it said at my best, I'm a six, committed, security-oriented, engaging, and responsible. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, and I can give a broader view, but I would say yeah. the key words there are ambitious, goal-oriented, and performance. Mm, yeah. And I feel like that's accurate. Um, And I was even like there wasn't any other. They were like, you're a three. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? Um, And I'm a one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) But I was also strongly a three. Mm-hmm. Um and and ones are rational, idealistic, principled, perfectionistic. Um, this is so you. I know. Oh my god. We're conscientious and sensible and responsible and idealistic and ethical. <laughs> really <laughs> dull. Um and we get into conflicts by being opinionated, impatient, irritable, rigid. This doesn't sound familiar to I don't me recognize all. any of these None qualities. None of it. None. Who is this Nothing. person? I can't <laughs> fathom who they're talking about. Um, at our worst, we can be dogmatic and self-righteous and intolerant. I do think I'm, in, I'm tolerant. You're very I almost tolerant. said I do think I'm intolerant. But <laughs> you, I do think you I'm are tolerant. Um, and uh, at our best... We are tolerant, thank you, accepting, discerning, wise, principled, fair, um, and able to delay rewards for a higher good. That's for sure. And it says at their best, they become a seven. Yeah. So I can explain that. Yeah, please please do. do. And I'm also curious why you thought I was a six. What is Because you have that, um, that like disaster bag oh, that is filled that you're constantly yeah, prepared. thinking about. Right. Interesting. Yes. That's a little bit of a six thing. Yeah. So talk to us about what these results mean and what we're trying to understand is like, how can we, what does it mean for being a leader? For yeah. Like what you do? How is this relevant? Okay. The idea of the Enneagram is that we, we have an autopilot. So when I turn on my phone, it boots up an operating system, and that operating system tells it how to interpret the world, right? So we don't actually look at data by itself. We look at it through filters. And the nine type to the Enneagram are nine different filters. And so the idea is that you're born, you're a beautiful, innocent child, but then you gradually encounter the world and you think, I need some kind of a strategy for mm. dealing with this. And so each of these types is really a sort of strategy that can also be seen as a personality. On some level, we are trying to get either security or love or both through the strategy. But that strategy can then be overperformed. So like mm. if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And what a lot of people don't quite understand about all these personality tests is that, yes, they are good for understanding this is me, uh, this is how I bring my best, la, la, la. But it's also an opportunity for transcendence to kind of get beyond this kind of limited range of human behavior, right? Once we become aware of our autopilot, we don't have to always live out that drama. So there are nine types. One is the perfectionist. Uh, Two is the helper. Three is the achiever or motivator. Four is the artist or individualist. Five is the observer. Six is the questioner or loyalist. Seven is the adventure, eight is the asserter or challenger, and nine is the harmonizer. Um, And then the other thing I'd say about the Enneagram is each of the nine types has a kind of average, which Mm. is, you know, our ordinary neurotic selves, 
a really awesome version, which is like when we are fully living out the best parts of this and a kind of really super neurotic version when we're very unaware of it. <laughs> well, what I mean, I feel like we've had a complete breakdown of our psychological oh, psyches. I, know. I mean, I feel like these do describe us yeah. very accurately. Now, I feel like yours is more accurate than mine, but do you feel like mine is more accurate than yours? Um, no, weirdly, I do feel like mine is more accurate than <laughs> yours. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there's definitely that element of you. For, for sure. sure. No, I yeah. I identify with this a hundred percent. Everything you said makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I love the thing about focusing on relationships um, because I that's like to sort of better my both my happiness and my place in the world. Yeah, I well, love your, that. Your sister is also a three. And she is presents she? very differently. Yeah, she's a super three. Oh, well, that makes sense. Big time three. My sister Gretchen, host of Happier, the Happier Podcast. Yeah. Gretchen Ribbon. <laughs> yes. What is it about Kansas City that produces these ultra ambitious, amazing women? Oh, well, thank you. Who rise to the top? I don't know, Sarah. What is it? It's the water. The water. I don't know. I, don't know. I we went to a really fantastic high school with amazing teachers. Yeah. I, I, a lot of. I feel like you went to like a little Wellesley women. in high school almost. You know, interesting. Kind yeah. Of, yeah. One thing um, that I we always attribute um, sort of success to is that our school really emphasized the ability to write. So yes. we can write sentences. And I've said this on the podcast before. I really feel that for any job, the best, maybe not doctor, but the best thing you can do is be able to write a good sentence. 100%. I, when I was in high school, I did competitive speech and debate. Mm. Um, and I had no natural talents for it. I just worked really hard at it. But that's really how I learned how to write um, mm, yeah, because these right. little extemporaneous speeches I was doing were essentially essays. And I learned more in that than than in high school and I think even college. So I would agree with you on that. Now, Michael, how do we deal with – because I think maybe um, mine rings more true about me than Liz, even though yours is accurate, rings true about you, is that maybe you're more integrated into the better self than mm. I am, which is horrifying. I'm horrified. Well, you know you're very into your better um, self. <laughs> but how do we kind of work with and grow beyond the things about our personality like, types yeah. that aren't so great? How do we transcend? Like yeah. you mentioned transcending. That's not easy. Sure. Well, the first thing about transcendence is to just understand kind of what your trip is. Like, what is my default? way of processing things so that when that happens, you can say, oh, this is my default. So I'm actually a four, which is the artist, uh, individualist, often very moody, thinks yeah. that feelings are more real than reality. I'm quite extroverted, so and most fours are introverted, but that's kind of me. And what that means, my, my core strategy is to be special. So I'm always trying to be special, as I am right now. Uh, you're here very like, I feel so special. <laughs> I'm pouring out right here. <laughs> However, there, a lot of life doesn't call for specialness. So if I'm driving on 405 and I'm stuck in traffic and it's going seven miles an hour, my tendency is to think, why am I in this position in my life? How have I made all these decisions? Why is my life essence being spent this way? But guess what, Michael Melcher? You're having the exact same experience as 1.7 million other people on this very <laughs> same freeway. There's nothing special. And recognizing that is actually a release. Uh -huh. So in your case, Liz, uh, the idea of must make it better, must achieve, must get more acclaim, if you just kind of 
see that, then you don't necessarily react to it. Or what's the right way? What's the wrong way? Well, maybe I don't really have to have a right or a wrong way here. So you can release it on that level. The other thing about the Enneagram um, is that it's a very interesting, sophisticated kind of instrument. So each type also has like what are called wings. Those are the numbers on either side that may influence. So in your case, you could have a two wing, which is the helper. So you can draw on that. All right, what do these people need? Um, what are they feeling right now? How can I react to that? Or you can move to the nine, which is called a peacemaker. That's more like the chilled out Buddha almost stoner person saying, it's all good. I'm just going to observe this, let it all flow together. I don't need to make a big ruckus. I can kind of move with it. So we can draw on that. And then yet another way of thinking about the Enneagram is maybe we don't have to be one type. Maybe we can simply see these as convenient shorthands for how to act in different mm. ways. Um, so for example, uh, I might be at a meeting or dealing with the client or something and getting all into my feelings, but I could say, all right, I'm just going to be a five here. I'm going to totally observe ah. silently what's going on, or I'm going to be a kick-ass eight. I'm just going to tell them what they need and why it's amazing and why they're going to pay me a lot of money and why they're going to be successful, and I don't need any questions from them. So you can – I have this theory that it's almost easier – to pretend to be another person mm. than to try to change who you are a little bit. So these give us identities that we can try inhabiting oh. um, from day to day just to see what that allows us to do. That's such a profound thought. You know, I know. It's I love easier that. to be, let's just stop for a second. <laughs> it's easier to be someone else, to pretend to be, to pretend someone, else. To be someone else than to change yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. true. And it's the, and, so true. And that's how you practice changing yes. yourself. You kind of yes. let yourself inhabit, Yeah. you know, um, yeah. You're trying on another personality. So when we pitch, we just need to be like, I'm trying on the personality of someone who loves getting out there and selling my story. Yeah. And then yeah. once you do that, you're sort of wiring new yes. neurological Absolutely. pathways in your brain and you can actually get there. You're not pretending all the time. Uh, well, this, I mean, this has been incredibly informative. Yeah. I feel like, first of all, you have the right to call me out anytime on my threeness, should you feel the need. Yes. This, and you can tell me, Sarah, you are really being a one right now. Yeah. Okay. So we'll. Don't be we'll, such a one. Don't we're be gonna, such a one. We're going to replace, or don't be such a bitch with or how one. About, we're just. <laughs> We're stocked up on one. Thanks. Let's let's try something else. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, there, that's it. kinder. Just be, you got to be kind to yourself. That's right. We're all yes. doing the best we can. Yes. And for the most part, other people are too. Yeah, that's Even when they bug the hell yeah. out of us. Yeah. <laughs> We're all just trying. Well, thank you, Michael, so much. This has been amazing. And um, thank you for being in our Facebook group I... and telling us to do this <laughs> test because we never would have done it without that. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Okay, Sarah, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, and it's get a signature belt. Yes. We have talked about all kinds of signature things. <laughs> signature color, you talked about on Happier with Gretchen. Signature scents, we've talked about. I think I've found mine, by the mm. way. Very exciting. Um, and so today, signature belt. It feels like a real thing, particularly this season. Yes. Um, and it's something you brought up. And as soon as you said it, I was like, ding, 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 ding. Because <laughs> um, in our quest to look better at work, yeah. we've kind of spent more time observing what other people wear yes. 
And we have noticed that having a super nice belt really elevates an outfit. Yeah, and this is actually something we noticed many years ago when we worked at 20th. Yes. Um, Dana Walden, who is, I don't know what her title is now, the head of everything (laughs) at 20th, um, she would wear an Hermes belt. Yes, and it always just, like, when you saw that belt, you knew you were in Dana's presence. Yeah. And, of course, she always looks perfect, incredibly fashionable, incredibly uh, in shape and beautiful. But that belt just sort of brought whatever she was wearing together. Yes. In a very elegant way. Yes. And then, Sarah, recently we've noticed Robin Tunney, who's starring as Maya Travis on The Fix. Got (laughs) to mention that. And um, we've noticed Robin often wears this great Gucci belt. Yes. And again, whatever she's wearing, and she's always wearing some really, you know, great outfit, it just looks elevated two steps from this great belt. Right. You can wear jeans and a T-shirt. And if you have a fabulous belt, suddenly your whole outfit is fabulous. Absolutely. And what's beautiful about it is unlike other things, you can wear a belt like four days a week and no one thinks twice about it. So it's like something that if you invest a lot of money in, you're going to get a ton of use out of, which is, you know, of course, good when you don't want to invest in that many things. (laughs) Um, So, Liz, on the belt topic, the signature belt topic, where do you stand on these designer belt bags that are so huge right now? You mean fanny packs? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they call them belt bags. And online, if you look, it's often belt bags slash fanny bags. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, they have them like Gucci, Prada, I think Chanel. They're super expensive. Yeah, they're, oh yeah, they're crazy expensive. I mean, I'm just not that cutting edge. <laughs> like, I cannot go with the hip fanny pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just don't think I could pull it off. Although... Belt bag. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Our friend Kathy Ryan, yeah, she got one, uh, I think because her purse was stolen. So she wanted... Oh. Uh, belt bag well that's smart. to you know keep it on her person and it looked adorable on her yeah i don't, I don't really want to emphasize my middle section well me neither you know um <laughs> yeah now i will say sarah i had my eye on a signature belt which is oh, one reason yes. why i like sprang to life when you brought this up i've been eyeing this um it's a it's gucci and it's got beetles all over it and yeah. it's just super super cute and it's actually on sale right now mm. but mary pointed out that it's too wide to wear with jeans oh. so it's off my list because yeah. i gotta have something i can wear with jeans yeah so i'm back searching for my signature belt i believe in you <laughs> All right, Liz, coming up, you had a reality star celebrity sighting, big one. But first, a word from our sponsor. And now it's time for this week's celebrity sighting. And Sarah, I saw someone that like chills went down when I saw her. (laughs) Um, It was Rachel Lindsay from The Bachelorette. You know I'm a proud member of Bachelor Nation. I do know that. Yes. Yes. Rachel was the first African-American bachelorette and probably one of the most popular bachelorettes in history, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And her season was, like, incredibly dramatic and, like, inspired a ton of water cooler talk at For the People when we were working there. Um, So I was at, um, like, Western Bagel on Coldwater, and we went outside where they had some dogs for adoption. (laughs) We are thinking about getting a dog, so we're Ah, now looking at dogs. And um, 
the woman, it was called, the, the place that had the dogs was called Paw Works. Uh-huh. And she said, oh, do you watch The Bachelorette? Rachel Lindsay is a celebrity ambassador for Paw Works. She's right over there. Okay, I can just imagine oh, your face I was when this dying. woman said that. Yeah. So, of course, I like immediately like veer over <laughs> where she's pointing. And there's Rachel, fully made up, looking gorgeous with the guy she picked, wow. Brian. So, and they seemed happy reporting that. <laughs> Um, now, even though she was basically there to talk to people, I just, I couldn't bring myself to ask for a selfie. So once again, I've missed a selfie opportunity. Oh my God. I know. But what's great about this sighting is that often, like I've been with you when we've seen someone famous and like, I'll be like, Liz, that's, (laughs) Carrie Fisher is the one that springs to mind. Liz, that's Carrie Fisher. And then you go like, what? And you have to like hide your excitement. But like in this case, she was there to be cited. Yeah. So you could you could just like totally express it. No, but I didn't. I just walked around. <laughs> I side eye glanced and I kept on moving. So but it was thrilling. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. A special thanks to Michael Melcher for joining us today. Listen to his podcast, Meanwhile, a podcast to improve your life wherever you enjoy podcasts. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. Check out Sancola Sound on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us juggle everything right now. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Hey, Chuck, mine seems really loud all of a sudden. And turning it down doesn't seem to make a difference. Does it sound? Huh. I didn't no? All right. Well, I'll just get used to it. I don't want to be shouting in your ear. That's okay. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm used to it. <laughs> <laughs>